Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, July 18th. And as we hit the doldrums of summer, I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Uh, doldrums of summer is a nice way to put it. I can hear the rain continuing to come down torrentially. And I'm a bit foggy. as um, We start about 40 minutes later than we were supposed to uh, because I did the silly thing of lying down without setting an alarm an hour before we went. Uh, nevertheless, glad to have fixed it in time and uh, woken up at a point where it was still salvageable uh, and happy to see you after a week, my friend. How are you? I am, I am good. I am a little burnt. I'm a little sore, a little tired. Uh, back-to-back tournaments um, in back-to-back weekends is always tough on the body and the mind. Um, luckily, a busy day at work, but not a stressful brain straining day at work. So uh, just on the path to recovery, some Advil, some water, uh, get some real food in me. That's not McDonald's or uh, Lord knows what else I put in my body this weekend. But yeah, starting to feel a little bit better here uh, Monday evening and happy to uh, get back on the pod with you. I think just overall going forward it'll probably be one podcast a week here into the summer as things have really really slowed down now in the sports world uh and and yeah we're uh we'll we'll take that time to rest and recoup and really enjoy what summer has to offer and at the same time we'll still check in with uh with our takes on on the latest news here in in the sporting world yeah Yeah, I think it's about time to go in on quality rather than quantity. There is plenty of off-season content, but uh, that sort of thing requires a bit more extensive touch and maybe having a week between sessions lets us give that all the time it deserves. Uh, How did the tournaments go? A third place finish at Provincials and a fourth place finish at No Borders. Um, Played a lot of teams multiple times in those two weekends, uh, which led to some pretty intense games and some some good uh, some good rivalries. But overall, really good. Just so hot and sore now. Um, It's been a long, long time since I played that much ultimate in a week long span, and I had a blast. uh, But I, I'm really paying for it today. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis on Fire was my show of the year. Thanks for asking, by the way. <laughs> Which one was it? Was that Thursday? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see? I couldn't even remember if you'd seen it. Um, I went a little more off the cuff with the videos on this one, so I tried <laughs> not to look at who'd seen it and how much of it they looked at. Um but at the same time, I had a friend there who posted about 10 solid minutes of the concert. Um, I can't even tell you how many dots that was. So my like six seemed a bit more harmless in comparison. Uh, I had a blast reliving the concert through their 10 minutes. Yeah, nice. I couldn't quite commit to that. Although like, honestly, I understood the dilemma. I've, when a band's been around for 20 something years and crushing it, like they can't write a bad set list if they tried. Um, it's just yeah. banger after banger. And Montreal crowds are incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it outdoor or indoor? Indoor. Um, 
at, our kind of class it's called m telus it, i don't know what it seats probably ballpark 2000 okay okay it's a really good size for like holy shit i'm like a hundred feet or less from the band when i crowd surf i like high five the singer nice um, to like i have a lot of people around me creating a lot of energy that can ride off of nice very cool very very cool so another another high five of another singer yeah that's uh two crowd surf high fives on the year that's blowing out the grand total of zero cumulatively before this there you go trending up stock up on max this week <laughs> uh, on sports next door <laughs> We'll see if we can, I don't know, what, what do you, um, September is going to be lit, my guy, for shows. I cannot wait for that. Uh, what do you think we can get to this year? Four, five? Oh, absolutely. Push for it. Strive right. for greatness. Strive for greatness. That's what I always say. All right. We've got a lot to work on heading into the rest of 2022. Um We'll segue into the sports world as the GMs of their respective NHL franchises wrap up the 2021-2022 hockey season and try and best prepare themselves for the 2022-2023. Our last podcast mostly was a primer on the NHL free agency window, which was about two days before it opened. Um, If you followed that podcast and have not and then checked the headlines in free agency. You were probably somewhat surprised. A lot of last-minute curveballs coming the night before and day of. Uh, so about five, six days after the release of free agency, most of the major names gone. Uh, the few names left. Uh, stories in themselves, maybe. That's mostly what this podcast is going to focus on. So whether it's the size of the contract or the magnitude of the story, it feels right to lead with the biggest one. Johnny Gaudreau signs with the Columbus Blue Jackets seven years, an average cap hit of 9.75, I believe. Uh, I'll throw it to you after saying, like, this is the stuff that free agency is all about. Yeah. Uh, totally out of left field, like you mentioned, a curveball. And one of those moments um, that if you're a small market team, it's, it's what you live for, right? There are once in very few opportunity chance to land a guy as good as Johnny Hockey here. And everyone thought he was going to New Jersey or Philadelphia, not massive markets, but, but bigger markets in their own right. And Columbus was able to make a great pitch. Um, they showed him a path forward in terms of success. And uh, he must have gotten some advice about how lovely Columbus has turned into as a city. And at least I'm taking the positive spin on things from Goudreau's perspective. And uh, he inks the, the big deal, smaller than he would have gotten Calgary, but you knew he was out of Canada trying to go back south and yeah a really shocking move um i still think columbus fans are surprised lord knows the hockey world is is definitely shocked by the signing uh but it it instantly kickstarts their retool rebuild whatever you want to call it uh and gives them a, a rather exciting uh top line there 
if, if they're able to get the line a deal done. So really, really interesting stuff. And uh, uh, Johnny Gaudreau just yeah, curveball that to, to really end the massive free agent period to start uh, last week. And I, I have some negative thoughts on it, but I'd like to hear what you thought when you first read that, that Gaudreau signing. Yeah, I guess maybe as a Leafs fan, a little more trauma uh, from this series as they've won one playoff series their entire uh, existence as a franchise, and that was sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, not officially counted is what they did to us in five games in that bubble season. So like, oh no, I was enjoying Columbus being at the bottom uh, was the panic first reaction. I, I don't think adding an off a single high scoring, second highest scoring player of last year uh, instantly moves the needle from a non-contending team to a contending team. Uh, I think the biggest effect this is going to have is on things like the line A. Uh, deal they're working towards as that's certainly going to give Patrick pause to consider what could be in this team in a few years Uh, like I said for me this is like it's I'm sure the Columbus Blue Jackets did their best on the pitch but uh, Johnny Hockey's mind was made up where he was going is kind of the tell you get reading all the facts and info he turned down more money elsewhere uh, you mentioned the length of the contract as well. It's just the heart wants what the heart wants. And the UFA letters next to your name is the one time as a professional athlete, you really have say in that. Um, this is by no means a small deal. Um, just a couple million per year short of like what Johnny could have commanded at a maximum uh, this amount gives Columbus a little more wiggle room for one more third line player maybe who pushes the needle a little further um, give them a slightly better chance to contend in a few years uh, but I just I love the shakeup. Um, it's a bummer for Flames fans as that team still has a lot to put together And losing, as I said, the second highest scoring player of last year uh, is a step in the wrong direction for them, for sure. But I I guess mostly for me, this trade doesn't make Columbus competitive enough yet to be terrifying. And I'm here for the chaos. I think I've said it enough times in enough different ways. Uh, Some negatives, though. Yeah. So firstly, for Calgary, because you mentioned it, uh, puts them in a terrible spot, uh, but not for one Matthew Kachuk, who now has all of the leverage in the world to make a, a, a his claim for a bigger payday now that they need to pay someone, and it's not Gaudreau. Uh, so he's in line for that, and Calgary Flames fans, as much as you love Matthew Kachuk, you got to be averse to overpaying players just in the salary cap area, and, and as Leafs fans, we know that very well. Um, the other negative approach, and this was the tweet from Sid Sixero, uh, that Gaudreau picked a market that doesn't get a ton of media attention in, in hockey. It 
hockey is, I don't know, uh, fourth or fifth on the depth chart in terms of uh, what you're going to see. Uh, and, and the top two teams are, or the top teams on that list are the football uh, in Ohio State there that, that blows everything out of the water. Football, the Cavaliers, Stipe Miocic, some league I'm not forget, thinking of, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets. Exactly, exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. Still a very strong hockey market, but not a large one compared to the other sports that, that are in that area. And so what that allows him to do is escape the uh, media intensity that is in Canada and that is in Calgary. Uh, and he does take the the lighter path and goes on a team with a lot lower expectations. And this feels like a classic good stats, bad team type move here where he gets his money. He gets to settle down in a great spot. He's going to put up a ton of points, but I don't know if this is the move that's ever going to propel this team to a Stanley cup and um, Gaudreau, it could be a legacy changing decision that he has decided to go to a team like Columbus. I wouldn't say New Jersey or Philadelphia were in that realm either, uh, but but to follow on a lighter note of what Sid Sixero said was that Johnny Goudreau is not built for it, and he chose to, to pick a team where things are easier, and uh, he'd rather just put up numbers than, than go for the team's success. And I think it's an interesting take. I, I, there are parts of me that agree with it, uh, but you'll, we'll just have to see what Columbus does because every NHL player is intensely competitive that exists. Now there's another level of competitive lists that separates the truly great players in the playoffs, uh, but yet to be determined uh, if, if Johnny Goodrow got that dog in him. <laughs> And just to throw a little KD slander in, because haven't gotten that for you in the past couple of weeks, like with the, what that's become in the NBA and like what ring chasing looks like, it, it's really KD, I guess, did the one time did it as a free agent, like like compared to Gaudreau going and joining, um, I, I guess Edmonton would have been a bit different and kind of interesting. But like if Gaudreau had gone and joined the Avalanche, in my view, that would be a much more like toxic version of whatever trait is being ascribed somewhat negatively to him, like on the vast other end. So I much prefer this, like restore a bit of parody to the league, make a bad team better, make a good team worse type decision, um, as opposed to the all I care about is winning. I'm going to go join a really, really good team and just make them unfair. Um, so that, that for me is always the worst case free agency decision and anything else really I can live with. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just have to see how that turns out for Columbus and uh, what else they can bring in there because they were not super active beyond that big move, but there were plenty of other teams that were and, uh, I'm not going to run through a list, but I'm going to pick out some teams who I thought had great free agency period, a not so great free agency period, and and a lot of it's to be determined when when they, when they hit the ice. But um, just to start here, uh, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning, I 
I think this falls in the to be determined category, leaning on the edge of good is they lock up that kind of next core of their team. Those younger guys who have already been a part of the two cup runs, but aren't into their thirties, like, uh, like a headman and Stankos and they signed Nick Paul to a massive deal before the draft we talked about. And then they go and they, they lock up Chernak, Sorelli and Sergachev all the eight year deals, putting their, uh, gauntlet down and saying, we are, we are going to continue to push this window open and continue to compete for the next large stretch. And, uh, they add Vlad Nemetsnikov to this team as well. And Tampa Bay is going to continue to hang around there as long as they've got Vasilevsky and the great, uh, leadership team in front. And they, they've locked up three really key integral pieces at, at a good number, uh, for the next eight years. It kind of makes me think about the Detroit Red Wings throughout the 2000s, uh, a team that just indefinitely extended their window as uh, long as basically Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, and uh, Nicholas Lidstrom. That's the one just hung around seemingly indefinitely. Um, as long as the Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky trio can keep up that energy this move totally pushes the window though as we've seen there the bigger they are the harder they do fall i think that's still like six seven years off for the lightning with moves like this being made though um losing palat the only tough blow that caught my eye for free agency for them yeah that was a that was a good deal for new jersey who missed out on Gaudreau to get a really productive left winger who can slot either uh, basically all the way up and down your lineup um, and is a great gritty player to fit alongside uh, Jack Hughes or, or Nico Hirscher there like that signing a uh, couple other teams that that made uh, good signings here uh, Colorado <laughs> coming off their cup run retain uh, Arturi Lekkinen, Josh Manson and Valerie Nichushkin three really really key kind of mid-depth pieces um, not your top four players, not your bottom four, but right in that supporting core, kind of like this Tampa Bay re-signings. And, and Lekkonen was great. Nichushkin was in the running there for Con Smythe for a little bit uh, when he was on his heater. And then, of course, Josh Banson, the pickup at the trade deadline from the Ducks, super physical, super gritty, uh, and, and great puck-moving defenseman who slotted in so well when Sam Gerrard went out. Uh, so some really key pieces staying in Colorado. They do lose Burakovsky uh, to Seattle. Uh, and they do also lose Darcy Kemper there to the Washington Capitals, who also grabbed Connor Brown in a trade this weekend. So a couple nice pickups for them. The number's a bit high with Kemper, but that's kind of the, the Stanley Cup tax that you pay uh, in free agency. And, and a couple of, of key signings there. And, and Colorado goes out and gets uh, Georgiev from the New York Rangers to be, I guess, in a tandem with Pavel Fransuz. It's not the most confident goalie duo that you're going to see, um, but two guys who have seen stretches of success. And so in tandem, perhaps they're thinking that one of these guys will pop and take that 1A role. Um, because they weren't able to land any big goalie to replace Kemper. And that's kind of what we were saying at um, this time last year, as uh, 
the Colorado Avalanche landed Kemper or as they lost their uh, primary goaltender and we knew Kemper would be the guy moving forward um, for Colorado the prerogative was just if it ain't broke it you do not fix it on uh, trying to retain as much of the team they had um, I don't think they overpay on any of these contracts happy to see Nachushkin finally get his bag um, Kadri the only outstanding player I believe for them uh, but for the goaltending I just feel like when your team is this solid it, you're going to figure it out. Even if it's not one of these two guys, you can play the carousel of goalies and spin it. And you're going to put someone who can backstop a roster of this caliber to success, not too difficultly. Uh, that's kind of what I see Kemper as having done in the past year where um, endurance and consistency are the main things they're going to be looking for rather than brilliance out of any goaltender and i don't think that's unfindable mm. uh, another team that i that the jury is out on but i'm actually tending to lean negatively towards is the edmonton maple edmonton oilers <laughs> uh signing jack campbell there to five by five uh campbell gets his term and he gets a solid number, solid raise, happy for Soupy. Uh, but from a from a business perspective, it's a lot of years to pay a guy who's had a lot of injury concerns um, the last few years. And this is he is the guy in Edmonton. There is Koskinen's not stealing his job if he's still there, and and uh, looks like Mike Smith is going to be on LTIR. So this is truly um, Jack Campbell is going to get a lot of time in the net which he has not ever seen before. And the Leafs tried doing that this year and uh, led him into some injuries. So uh, I worry about that move for Edmonton. And then the Evander Kane signing is, he's a fantastic player and he's going to score 40 goals this year playing with Connor McDavid. But he has seen a run of different teams where he's fantastic for a year. And then for whatever reason, there's friction in, in the locker room. And I don't want to come off, have this come off as if he is a bad teammate or like bad person, whatever it may be. But he has had a track record now of leaving situations and, and just not getting along with some other people in, in, on teams. And obviously they're there to hopefully have him in the right place. And uh, he can grow as a person and mature and you never, ever want to mess up an opportunity when you're playing with the best player in the game. But uh, I just worry four years with, with is lock locking them in to, to him. And if he makes another mistake, then that could, that could affect their, their team in, in now the prime of Connor and Leon's career. So I am hesitant about that contract. Uh, I probably would have gone shorter term there uh, to, to lessen that off ice risk yeah I, I think you're betting on a combination if you're the oilers gm of the last particular team meltdown being a few degrees hotter than any of the other ones you've alluded to in the past for kane and for that experience to be a bigger um wake up learning experience time to get my shit together moment 
Um, you consider that that happened on a San Jose Sharks team who didn't really know how to spell the word winning. And uh, you hope with the experience and maturity of that incident situation in the rearview mirror and a very different team climate, as you said, playing along with the best player in the world, uh, those two things lead him to not want to fuck it up. And uh, if you gamble right on those two things, you get a, admittedly, there's no position in the league that makes it easier to score 40 goals. But um, the Kane showed during the playoffs uh, exactly how much more he can bring um, on that top line than some of the other players that have slotted in and out at the position over the years. Uh, so I'm a little more on the fence about this one where they take a calculated risk and if it pays off, it's really going to pay off. Uh, for me at this point, where we're at in the salary cap, anything less than like $7 million cap hit per seems like an escapable risk. Um, although on that note, moving to the other contract, uh, I was thinking about this while we were talking about Johnny Goudreau. Uh, this cap hit for Campbell is not that different than what we're going to be paying for Murray. I guess another two years in length is the big difference in contract. Yeah. Um, all the same, though, with the window being now, like you wonder, did Jack Campbell want to get away from the Toronto media or... Man, how am I blanking on our GM's name? Help me out. Dubis. Does Dubis know something we don't about Murray and Campbell? Because. I, yeah, I think it truly came down to length there that um, via tampering, Jack mm -hmm. Campbell knew that Edmonton was going to offer him more term. And so was just a more appealing decision for him as a player, as a person uh, to, to take that deal have more financial stability. Maybe Toronto can offer around that number, but they weren't going to go longer than three years probably. And so then when Jack knew that he was leaving, that's when Dubas went and, and looked for other alternatives. And the Murray contract is hard to stomach, but you do get some assets for taking on that contract, uh, which is the ar other argument we made at the time there. There you go. Um, I do think for a player like, I, I don't know what the Edmonton media is like. I just know that no hockey media is quite like the Toronto media. And really, I wish all the players that get out of that shit show all the best. Yeah, we will. We will talk about Toronto shortly. A couple other signings here. Claude Giroux goes home to Ottawa, as uh, many thought he would on three years, 6.5 per. Uh, it's a great pickup. It gives me slight Marlowe vibes um, that when the Leafs signed him, it's similar money, similar years. Uh, Giroux's a little bit younger than Marlowe was at the time, but he has had some hard miles put on his body with the type of play. And so Ottawa fans could be looking at a pretty expensive uh, veteran player in that third year of the contract, but love it for them now. And they've really done some great things this offseason to just at the very least, make the team a lot more exciting and frisky next year. Uh, there's been a lot of Twitter 
uh, comments going around that people are starting to pick Ottawa's forward core over the Leafs right now as is. I think that's a little little far-fetched, um, and, and people are getting ahead of themselves on the hype train, but it will lead to some awesome games next year, which is all you can ask for. Yeah, I I don't know about that at all. Um, I do think it this does tip the needle for the Senators. Um, and we have a team that we at least have to like write contender, circle it, and add a bunch of question marks when we're uh, making our notes for ne- our season preview next year. Um, this is a respectable top six core of forwards. I love the Marlowe comparison. Uh, and looking back, that first year, we did get value out of that contract uh, at a time where we hadn't had to put the max extensions on all of our young guys. It was a almost swallowable amount to pay when you tried to factor in all the intangibles. Um, but I think Giroux will be turning the age Marlowe turned when he signed the contract with us when this contract ends. So a lot safer there. Also coming off a 65 point and 75 game season. Uh, that's not at, all. at least in the first year, this only makes the team better. And again, if, if he has a decent year and they look ahead in the wins and see some big numbers coming Tim Stutzler's way, uh, coming Alex Debrincat's way. I'm not sure who else. I'm not sure what those contracts look like. Um, they might be able to get off Giroux if they need to in a hurry. Yeah, it's it's true. And and it's just going to make that Atlantic division more competitive. Besides Buffalo, I think everyone Maybe. is going to be tough to play. And uh, that leads me into another team where I think still yet to be determined, but some interesting moves for sure uh, after getting Billy Huso uh, at the draft Detroit follows up with some big contracts for some veteran players David Perron uh, Andrew Kopp uh, Kubalik and Ben Sherratt all at uh, at pretty sizable numbers uh, for their stage in their career especially that Sherratt contract is tough uh, to look at but Detroit is a team that can afford it with all the young talent that they have and it adds a ton of great veterans to that uh, team that obviously is looking to start uh, pointing the needle in the upwards direction and so um, a fascinating number of moves yet I am interested to see how it plays out but another team that's going to be difficult to play in the Atlantic yeah it's a if you can't go and get the big fish go get a bunch of medium-sized fish type move from the Red Wings, which is where they're at as a franchise. And yeah, I think in a different way, but similar to the Giroux contract, you pay a bit of a premium um, because you know you have the cap space for it right now. And you hope your young guys benefit from having all these acquisitions in the locker room with them, which I think is pretty solid reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or you could go with the get a million little fish strategy, which uh, again, pushing the Leafs. One more, one more team to get through here. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins re-signing Evgeny Malkin. Um, one of those moments where he was interested about looking at his other options and in the end chose to stick with 
with his team uh, at four years, 6.1. That's a, that's a really affordable contract there for Pittsburgh. Um, and they also just traded for Jeff Petrie yesterday, which is now giving them a pretty solid right side on defense uh, alongside Chris Letang. There are a couple of great puff moving defenders and they're very, they're nearing the end of their window. Uh, sad to say with, with Sid and Malcolm. So uh, making a couple moves there to to try and put their team in a position for contention next year, as you always will be when you have Crosby. Yeah, I, I like to think Sid gave Malkin a call the night before and just, come on, Evgeny, one more run. We got one more run in us. Come on. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the series against the Rangers, they looked like the better team until Crosby got injured and we saw how far the Rangers went. Um, so absolutely they have a couple more runs in them and I think Jeff Petrie totally helps towards that cause uh, he did a lot of damage for the Habs in the playoffs um, and that's kind of what you're banking on if you're Pittsburgh here all right we've arrived at the Toronto Maple Leafs uh they signed Ilya Samsonov, Adam Gaudet, uh, Nicholas Albe Kubel, Kelly Yarncroke, Pierre Engvall resigns, Victor Mete, Jordy Ben, and Dennis Malgin coming back into the fold. Uh, they do lose Ilya Labushkin, Jack Campbell, Colin Blackwell, Andre Kasha, and Ilya Mikheyev to maybe my worst signing of the free agency period. Four years, 4.75 per uh, to Vancouver. That is pricey. For I love Ilya, but that is pricey. Um, I think the Leafs are going to have a much faster and tenacious fourth line next year uh, with Gaudet, Albe Kubel, uh, maybe Malgin in there. Um, Mete and Ben are low-risk, medium-reward pickups at the bottom of their decor. Uh, Callie Yarncroke can play in that bottom six basically anywhere. So I love the signing uh, to get some grit in that bottom six. And he's obviously a great player. They've locked him up for four years at that number. Um, so I think he's going to fit in really well with uh, with David Kampf on that line. And uh, Pierre Engvall earned that, earned that one-year deal, uh, earned that slight raise, and it's going to be another prove-it year for him. So they... Not much changes in the bottom six for the Leafs. I think they still are missing a bit more of that scoring punch from the bottom six, but you're hoping that your top guys can provide most of that and, and continue to just retool. Um, and, and Ilya Samsonov, uh, a guy that they will still have rights to because he will be an RFA next year. And so you've got an older, more proven in the playoffs goalie who's had a rough stretch recently. And then the younger goalie who you're, you're taking a flyer on to see if he can show some potential here uh, near the end of his entry level or his RFA rights deal. Um, and that looks like what the tandem is going to be. And I'm not thrilled, but I got to take the positive outlook on things here for the Leafs. I don't think they got better, but I don't necessarily think they got worse. Uh, although Labushkin is, is a one that hurts to lose for sure. Yeah, you knew Mikheyev wasn't coming back. Um, it, it's kind of been a leaf standard over the years of picking up a couple uh, hidden gems in free agency on short deals, slowly uncovering them, watching them shine, and knowing they're no, there's no way we're getting them back. I think about uh, Boland and Raymond 
um, and put this kind of in the same vein as that. And you just hope it, that as we haul them, lose them, uh, we haul a similar number in. Uh, as you said, I'm a big fan of everything Yarn Crook brings to a team. So excited to see that in the bottom six. And uh, sometimes it feels like just get me a goalie who's played an NHL season and like not lost more than he's won. And uh, let's spin the wheel and see if we can make it work Uh, on that cap hit of 1.8. At least we know we're not, we can always spin the roulette wheel again on that one if we want to. Yeah, that's the way it's going to go uh, for the Leafs in 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 the next couple of years, as I foresee, unless one of their goalie prospects hits. So uh, another year of let's see how smart Dubas is on on these depth pickups. He's been relatively successful on on bringing in some solid bottom six guys who uh, who then end up getting some decent contracts on other teams. The last team I wanted to talk about in the NHL who swung for the fences was the Carolina Hurricanes, not in free agency, but with the trades, uh, acquiring Pacioretty uh, for basically nothing uh, because Vegas had to get rid of him to get off the cap. And then they also do get Brent Burns bringing him to the fold. That is going to be an awesome pair of him and Jacob Slavin, uh, two guys who can play both ways. Um, that is going to be a lights out deep pairing. So great stuff from the hurricanes. They are still hanging out in that top contender conversation. Yeah. It, it's a tough place to be in where on paper, everything considered, this should be a team that's discussing like Stanley cup aspirations. Um, but even in the East, they're never right at the top of that discussion. Uh, so this is just a, like, let's keep turning pieces around and trying to make them fit every possible way uh, to see what it is that brings us over the edge type decision. And as you said, it's a big swing. So it might be my early favorite. We shall see. We shall wow. see. That'll do it for NHL. We, uh, this actually, we went longer than we thought getting through all of these deals. Um, the last couple notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, before we got on, um, just speaking about the Goudreau one for as long as we did, it kind of indicated that would be the vibe. <laughs> set, yeah, set the tone. Uh, DeAndre Aiden remains a Phoenix Sun and will do so uh, until the middle of the season. You're not allowed to trade recently signed players until January 15th, I believe is the deadline. So we'll be a Sun for the foreseeable future. Moments there, thought he was going to sign the biggest RFE offer sheet in NBA history, but not to be for Indiana, which is tough for them. And the Suns, I think, played that terribly with the way that they've done it now, paying him a ton of money to be resentful of the fact that they didn't just offer him it in the first place. And Charlie Montoyo fired for the Blue Jays, whose sky is falling despite still being in a playoff spot. Uh, and we'll be cheering them on down the stretch. I had my tiring weekend. Max had his awesome concert and we are 30 seconds left on this Zoom call. Max, any final thoughts? It's been a blast as always, my guy. Looking forward to next week. We'll do some chat about what to do for that one. Till then, everyone, thanks for listening. Sports Next Door, signing out.